Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hi, welcome back to the OIS Podcast. Hard to believe it is time for OIS at AAO. On Thursday, we will see you at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas for what will be our largest OIS ever. If you haven't been before, this would be a good time to go. If you haven't registered yet and you've been before, you might want to show up. So we'll see you on Thursday morning starting at 7.30 at the Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. But today we're going to, uh, in honor of the the start of our main event, uh, we're going to meet with Abby Selnicker uh, of Eleven Biotherapeutics. She is the president and the CEO and uh, Abby and I had a conversation about big meetings like OIS and J.P. Morgan and others. It is meeting season, conference season for ophthalmology. Abby is warming up to present at OIS. She'll also be presenting at uh, J.P. Morgan and other major ophthalmology events going forward. So Abby talks a bit about the conference season and also brings us up to date on 11 Biotherapeutics Pipeline. We last visited with Abby uh, earlier, earlier this year when uh, there were some uh, hopeful thoughts for EBI 005 in dry eye, but unfortunately that did not pan out. But 11 still has a robust pipeline and is moving forward. So uh, please listen in. See if Abby will reveal her favorite secret meeting spot uh, at J.P. Morgan in San Francisco. And if she doesn't, then uh, at the end of the podcast, I may share mine. So... Thanks for listening, and again, we'll see you on Thursday morning at the Planet Hollywood Hotel in Las Vegas for OIS at AAO. Abby Selnicker, welcome back to the OIS podcast. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. You've joined an elite group of return uh, guests to the podcast, so I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope that makes your day. Oh, absolutely. Looking, looking for uh, running a hat trick maybe here. <laughs> I would love to have you back. Uh, so it's hard to believe that uh, OIS and AAO are, uh, are upon us. Uh, how has your life been uh, as an ophthalmology company the last couple of weeks, and, and how does it change once the, the conference season, the, sh- the, the meeting season starts? Well, I think that one of the things that's really great about being in ophthalmology is we continue to see a lot of interest in the therapeutic area, still see a lot of unmet need, and um, all of the companies are making great progress in, you know, moving their programs forward in the clinic. So it's a, it's a real exciting time to be in ophthalmology right now. And I think the way that we get ready <laughs> to move into these meeting into the meeting season is really refining um, the points that we want to make sure people understand about our products and our pipelines and, you know, really making sure that the stories are crystal clear and it's really clear that we're working in areas of high unmet need. And so I think that, you know, that's really what we've been focused on. We'll be presenting at OIS and certainly be talking to a lot of people at the AAO meetings. And, you know, as you move forward into the year, you're always looking forward to the data readouts that you have coming up that will allow you to continue to, you know, present and communicate your story. Who is your primary audience at an AAO? Are you are you exclusively focused on reaching out to the clinicians because they're there with you in that big building? Or is this really just a, a show for Wall Street because you're a publicly traded company? <laughs> 
Well, no, no, it's definitely not the show for Wall Street. I think that the, uh, I think that the, that's JP Morgan. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's a good point. So, um, I think that the AAO for us hits maybe three main objectives. One objective is that we're always doing clinical development and AAO is the really just the, the great opportunity to get together with the key opinion leaders and your investigators to both give them updates about the programs that they're currently working on, thinking about programs that you're actually planning and getting their ideas for what are some interesting opportunities for the future. So that's, you know, one of our objectives at AAO. Also at AAO, it's very important for us to be able to communicate with other companies. And, you know, there's always opportunities for companies to collaborate with each other. So AAO is a great opportunity for us to meet uh, our colleagues from, from other companies and who are thinking about maybe even complementary uh, types of collaboration that we could put together. And then finally, I think that OIS is a unique opportunity at AAL because it does bring together entrepreneurs who have new ideas, things that eventually um, could make a difference in how we're thinking about developing things. It brings together the investment community and more recently some focus on publicly traded companies and public investors makes that a that, uh, you know, really interesting and useful destination for us. But also, you know, at OIS you see and hear a lot about trends and, and how different things can be, um, you know, considered as far as how the FDA is thinking about things, how people are thinking about things outside of the U.S. So AEO and OIS tend to be a really productive time for us. And what do you try to accomplish on the floor with your booth at uh, AAO? Give me some insights on that. You don't have any products to sell yet, uh, someday soon. Uh, What what, what messages are you trying to get out to folks? I think the messages that we're getting out when we're, you know, really just out and about talking to folks at AAO is that, you know, we're really committed to the idea that there is a need for innovation in ophthalmology. There is, you know, an increasing incidence of ophthalmic diseases with the aging population. There's coincident ophthalmic diseases with um, diseases such as diabetes and, and, and other chronic inflammatory diseases. And we're seeing it on the rise. And we don't want to just be putting the same molecules um, to work in uh, different indications when they all possibly associated with either less efficacy than you'd like or greater safety issues than you'd like. And so we want to send the message that innovation is really important and that we have a proprietary platform that we can apply towards developing innovative protein therapeutics, which have been very well validated as potentially the most transformative approach towards treating ophthalmic diseases. Even when we think about the approach that people are taking with gene therapy, gene therapy is a way of delivering proteins, and it's really telling you how key and central protein therapy is towards treating um, the unmet needs in ophthalmology. So that's really the message that we're getting out there, and we need clinicians to understand that because we need their support in thinking about the best way to get these developed and understanding the patients who have the highest unmet need. Mm, that's a great point. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the show of shows, J.P. Morgan. Uh, <laughs> what, what, is, uh, what, what are your objectives when you go there? I mean, that, that has just uh, obviously gotten so massive uh, that it's, for, 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 uh, for me at least, it's, it's almost, uh, you obviously no one goes to the show anymore, but 
it's almost so busy that it's even hard to get meetings with people or the right people. You're a CEO of a, of a dynamic young company, so I'm sure you have a far easier time. But what, what, you, what will you be doing at J.P. Morgan? And have you reserved your table at Starbucks yet for $50 or whatever <laughs> they're going to be charging? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I, yeah, you're, what, what's interesting is that the circumference of the, oh, the area of meetings in, <laughs> at J.P. Morgan has grown tremendously. And thank goodness San Francisco has kept up with uh, renovating their different neighborhoods to accommodate that. <laughs> um, no, I think for us, J.P. Morgan, I agree with what you're saying, Tom, is that J.P. Morgan has become so big and so diverse that um, it's not, you know, essentially a clear objective for any single company on, on why they're there other than you've got to be there. <laughs> so I do think you have the opportunity to speak to investors. I think that there is a great opportunity to um, really network and get to know the people who are, uh, you know, trying to maybe get into ophthalmology because sometimes there's companies that are not yet in ophthalmology, bigger companies, and, you know, they are often somebody who we look to collaborate with. So there's great business development opportunities at J.P. Morgan. Uh, yes, we certainly uh, set space aside uh, to make sure that we have meeting places that we can meet with um, investors that are either our current investors or investors in the future. Uh, but also, interestingly enough, what we've really found over the last several years is that you know there's more and more people that are in the general um, sort of service areas as well. So you can even meet people who might be, you know, a great partner in manufacturing sometime or a really good commercial partner at some point in time. So it's a very productive uh, five or six days because everybody is in one place. So even just walking up and down the streets, you can have, you know, that right meeting. So you just got to be there. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and do you have that secret coffee spot that you know you can get a table at, but you won't tell anyone else about it? <laughs> Well, one. as long as you're early. Hey, I lived in San Francisco for a while, <laughs> so I have some inside scoop. I'm not sharing that with you, though. No, of course not. No, no. And I'm not telling you mine either. So, We're going to take just a quick, quick break from this conversation with Abby to remind you. It's this Thursday. Come to OIS at AAO at Planet Hollywood. Go to OIS.net for all the information you'll need. Now back to the conversation with Abby. Let's talk about 11. Uh, since the last time we spoke, uh, last time we spoke, uh, EV005 was still moving forward in dry eye. Uh, obviously, in the spring uh, after OIS, uh, you uh, reported the disappointing news uh, in the phase three trials. Bring us uh, up to date on that and what has that news meant for your company? What changes have you undergone since then? Yeah, so I mean, I think that, you know, when, whenever you go into a big pivotal program, you understand that the company is facing, you know, a pretty significant, um, you know, business uh, impact if, if things aren't as you anticipated them to be. So once we understood that the data from the first phase three trial was not uh, moving in the direction that we had hoped it would, we just immediately changed our focus onto um, allergic conjunctivitis, which was clearly an indication we had started to invest in and study prior uh, to the readout. We'd always known that we were going to be studying both allergic conjunctivitis and dry eye. As a matter of fact, we like to always remind people that the first data that was really generated to demonstrate that 
IL-1 was a key component to ocular surface inflammation was stu were studies that were done in animal models of allergic conjunctivitis. So we probably knew that that was a important indication even sooner than we thought about dry eye. So I think that, you know, obviously it's very important for a company to be flexible and resilient. And I, I would say that um, my team is incredibly flexible and resilient and, and immediately folks changed gears and really got themselves focused on the AC trials. We got those trials up and running in uh, what I would say is about record time and completed enrollment, which is what we announced just recently. So we'll be reading out um, the first allergic conjunctivitis phase three trial um, in the first quarter of 2016. So we're, we're pretty excited about how fast we were able to move with that. We did truncate our safety study that was initiated in general support of our ocular surface inflammation programs. Um, it had been designed more specifically to the dry eye program, but based on conversations we had had with the FDA, we were optimistic that the same trial would be very supportive of our clinical development program in allergic conjunctivitis. And so we did truncate that study so that um, we weren't necessarily taking it forward at the full spend that it would have been executed against with the uh, dry eye program. And we will have a readout from that program in the first quarter of 2016 as well. So we're very excited about AC. We, we like the fact that in allergic conjunctivitis, there is a single stimulus that um, uh, initiates the IL-1-mediated inflammatory response. It's an allergen binding to an IgE molecule and stimulating um, mast cell degranulation and um, the activation and recruitment of other cells. That's something that is very predictable. And with dry eye, I think we all know that it's a very heterogeneous disease and a disease that's initiated by many different stimuli and has underlying um, etiologies of different diseases. So AC, in, in a lot of ways, is a lot more straightforward um, disease to be developing in. So we're anxious to see the readout from that trial. And if that data is favorable, we'd be moving into our second phase three trial in um, 2016 with a targeted BLA filing in 2017. So we're just really excited about how that program is moving forward. Uh, we're also continue to be very focused on the development of EBI-031. So that is our novel IL-6 um, antibody, so an antibody that blocks the binding of IL-6, and it blocks it differently than um, the other commercially available antibodies against IL-6 in that it's very potent and very comprehensive blocker, but additionally, we've engineered it so that when it is injected in the back of the eye, between the potency and how we've engineered the antibody, it has a longer vitriol retention, and that should translate into fewer intravitreal injections compared to standard of care. Uh, for other um, intravitreally injected therapeutics like anti-VEGFs. So we're very excited about the pharmacokinetic properties of this molecule, but very importantly, we're excited about recent validation of the role that IL-6 plays as a target in diseases such as um, uveitis and the cystoid macular edema that accompanies uveitis. So there were some studies done with an anti-IL-6 receptor antibody um, by Roche and by others, and it demonstrated um, blocking that antibody, or blocking IL-6 systemically with that antibody demonstrated some very favorable and, and pretty unique um, efficacy in reducing cystoid macular edema. And so 
from our perspective, that's validating a target that we have been working on for a number of years and have really been committed to, and now we're very excited to move that molecule forward into clinical trials for both uh, uveitis as well as diabetic macular edema. And so, again, from our perspective, it's all about keeping focused on moving forward with these very innovation, innovative protein therapies. So your question about how did the company change in response to, you know, sort of uh, at least our, our lead indication changing from dry eye to allergic conjunctivitis, and the answer is really it didn't change much. Um, we'd always run a very lean team. We'd always brought in extremely experienced senior drug developers who are experts in both ophthalmology and biologics, and that allowed us to just switch gears very quickly and continue developing we did have one senior person, you know, leave the company, and he just was moving on, I think, to take on an opportunity in a different therapeutic area in a, in a company that had already established a commercial infrastructure. So um, that really didn't have anything to do with the readout per se. So like I said, the company really hasn't changed. Moving forward very um, very aggressively with our AC and 031 trials, and our research group continues to work on our Amparx platform and leverage uh, our understanding of what impacts, um, you know, sort of an, an antibody or a protein's ability to be an optimal therapeutic for the back of the eye, and that's where we're really focused now, and we're even considering some pretty well-validated targets like VEGF and how we might be able to create differentiated molecules with our platform. Terrific. Greg Perry left as a CFO and, and Chief Business Officer, was it? And you've sort of split those roles into two people now? That's correct. So um, when Greg left, so Gary Sternberg, who joined us uh, from Genentech a couple of years ago, Gary was actually running the medical affairs um, group for Lucentis while he was at Genentech. So he is a, an ophthalmologist and a drug developer, but he's also done business development over the years. So he had joined us um, and had been working for Greg. And when, when Greg moved along, Gary just stepped into the chief business officer role and already established amazing connections connections with um, a variety of, you know, strategic uh, uh, partners in the ophthalmology area. And then John McCabe, who had always been um, sort of our uh, principal financial officer, has just taken on uh, the financial roles that, that Greg had overseen. That sounds great. Final question, uh, going into AAO, uh, put off, take off your CEO cap for a second. What are you anxious to see? What, 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 what booth might you walk over to to see what's going on? Well, I think that, you know, right now, one of the things that we're very interested in are technologies and therapy uh, approaches, therapeutic approaches that deal with things like patient compliance. Uh, as we get into, uh, you know, sort of this, again, we've talked about the aging population, more patients who are developing, you know, glaucoma, more patients who need to be compliant with their administration of uh, or having um, their anti-digest therapies administered in order to get the maximum um, impact, we're really excited to see what people are doing to achieve, you know, better delivery and more consistent exposure so that they enhance patient compliance. Um, that's something that I think we'll be interested in looking around and, and hearing and seeing more about. I think that we're all interested to see how the gene therapy companies are going. I think it's an interesting niche that is going to be 
important for some diseases, but I don't think it's the panacea that maybe Wall Street thought it might be. Um, and so it would be interesting to see the progress that the gene therapy companies are making. And I think that it's going to be extremely interesting to see what, um, you know, clinical data is, is coming out, um, really thinking about what the missing link is in more effective therapies for diabetic macular edema and uveitis. So we're very excited to see more of the data looking at the role that IL-6 plays in uveitis. And I should also ask about OIS, anything interesting? Uh, it's all interesting, but does anything interest you the most as to what we'll be bringing up that day? Yeah, you know, I'm really interested to see, you know, sort of where the private um, investors are thinking versus public investors. I think that that's one of the things that's really interesting when you look at how companies grow up in this business. We all know sort of how that works in some different therapeutic areas, but it's been a long, long time since um, ophthalmology companies um, working in the therapeutic space as opposed to the device space have really been able to, um, you know, transition from private to public companies. And there's been quite a few of them in the past couple of years. So it'll be really interesting to see if that's changed the way private investors think. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if the public investors uh, have a difference of opinion than maybe they did a couple of years ago when they started investing in this area. So I think that that's what, what, what's really going to be interesting at OIS is now that there's a good distribution of both public and private companies. It's going to be interesting to see what's happening there. I think it's also going to be interesting just to hear about healthcare in general. And when we think about ophthalmology and chronic diseases, where does that sort of hit on the radar screen of healthcare costs and how payers think about things? It's really important for us to understand that as we think about, you know, developing the target product profiles of our drugs. And so hopefully we'll get, you know, some insights about that as well. Terrific. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. And uh, thank you for joining us uh, on the podcast. Great. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. Thank you, Abby Selnicker, for joining us on the OIS podcast and for giving us some insights on how CEOs deal with this busy conference season. And also, uh, although you weren't willing to share your secret spot, I'm, I'm willing to reveal mine at J.P. Morgan on Post Street. I've uh, never had trouble finding a table at Cafe La Tarza. So, Cafe La Tarza, L-A-T-A-Z-A. Very good coffee, very good food, and usually a table. Probably not anymore. But anyway, we'll see Abby Selnicker and 11 Biotherapeutics, and I hope you at OIS at AAO coming up on Thursday. Again, this will be our largest OIS ever. I'm not quite sure why you wouldn't be there. So we'll see you in Las Vegas. <laughs>